0: Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And just like that, welcome into this episode of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. It's Josh Carey, where each and every time I bring amazing individuals who have extraordinary things to say and to share. Today is no different. It's Jeff Harry who's joining us. You must know, Jeff shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled, wait for it, all by playing. Now if every single word of that doesn't tap in to who I am, I don't know what does. I'm so excited to get into this topic. It's Jeff Harry, thank you kindly for coming on and joining us today.
1: Oh, Thanks so much for having me.
0: So let's talk about just the general nature of play. Because when I think of playing, Perhaps this is an insecurity of mine. I'll be the first to admit I am shrouded in insecurities, especially, now granted, I'm getting over a lot of them, but you know my story, having spent four decades hiding, living in fear, showing up small, playing small, cowering, and full of insecurities. Now, the past several years, handful of years, I'm working my way through that. But when I think of play, I, I personally always related it to a cover up. I used it as a protection mechanism. Is there anything there? I mean there could
1: be. I mean I, so let me just be clear about how I define play because yeah. I have it as much more overarching like I define play as any joyful act where you're fully in the moment, where there is no purpose, there is no result. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You are just fully in flow. Like you are fully yourself, like fully alive, right? And I consider play the opposite of perfection. And perfection is what you were talking about earlier. It's rooted in shame and ego and fear of failure and and thinking like, is this the right way, right? Well, play is like, curiosity experimentation it's failing all the time but it's just like i'm just gonna do me and if you like me great and if you don't tough luck that's that's on you you know and yeah and that's you know even in your hidden entrepreneur story that i i recently watched like you were just like there was a moment where you were like i just don't care i just care about the opinions of those people anymore right because like Everyone is doing high school all over again in their Mm. 20s, in their 30s. And, you know, they just keep doing it. And the more we're to realize, like, I'm not trying to impress anybody, but just do this for me, the more we're able to actually freely play.
0: Yeah. And the reason that, um, because I've had to self-analyze and, and become a little self-aware uh, in order to continue to grow and move away from that spot. And yeah, in, in some regard, it was the realization of, I just don't care anymore. But more specifically for me, it was, okay, what's allowing me not mm. to care anymore, right? And it was, it was a few things. It was the my children staring mm. back at me. When I was at my most miserable, angriest, frustrated, depressed, and looking at me and acknowledging that I in fact was the child in that circle, and I didn't want to continue to be that way. So I knew right then and there, and then, like we were talking about before we went on here that life is uh, life is way too short, even in a best case scenario, and I've thought that, even if I live another fifty years. I'll make it close to 100. Oh, yes, please. But mm-hmm. those 50 are going to fly by in the blink of an eye. So mm-hmm. we need to have the why and the reason to sort of flip the the, the script. Do you find yeah. when you're bringing it? Yeah, go ahead.
1: And I, no, I was going to say, you know, I really resonate with this quote from Viola Davis. Mm. Uh, she said where she was like, you either claim who you are, or you end up chasing your worth for the rest of your life. And how many people do you know chasing their worth? How many times have All you chased your worth, right? All of and us? Like looking for outside validation, and we're constantly, especially as adults, constantly focused on results and being like, "I'll be happy when mm. I get this or I get that." And like, look at Michael Phelps, twenty-three Olympic gold medals goes straight into depression. Anthony Bourdain had the job. That everybody wanted it wasn't enough so like we have to realize like what am i doing right now to bring myself joy and fulfillment and i believe a lot of that you can discover through play
0: so you bring this to children and adults alike in the boardroom and on the playground talk to me about uh the adults in the boardroom There must be some resistance and hesitation that you immediately have to break through when you introduce this, right?
1: Yeah. So I work with a lot of tech companies, right? The Facebooks, the Googles, the Adobes. And, you know, when you, no one wants to talk about play. (laughs) They hate the word play, but they love the word flow. They love it because when you're in flow, you're five times more productive. When you're in flow, your inner critic dissipates and you all the options in front of you. So a lot of times I talk about flow in, in the context of play and being like, if you can figure out how to get your staff in flow, if you can figure out how to find their zone of genius and have them double down on that, you're gonna be more productive. Your staff is gonna be more happy. And guess what? They're gonna leave less. Um, and Steven Johnson, mm-hmm. this amazing author would say like, the future is where people are having the most fun, Hello like yo look at all the organizations that thrive during 20 20- TikTok, Clubhouse, Hulu, Disney Plus like people gravitate towards money gravitates towards fun so if your organization is not having fun and is not taking risk and not being resilient and not like like embracing the idea of play you're going to become obsolete like Bl- video
0: There is. This block that people seemingly have, you know, whenever you meet somebody, they're either a fun person or they're not. We could generally gauge pretty quickly. The people who are not, do you find that, well, well first of all, Jeff, what resonated there? What do you like so much about that?
1: well, what resonated was like, yes, yes, Josh, you know it know it immediately they might be wearing like pointy shoes their suit is too tight or just like but what i see when i see that is i see someone playing and what i mean by that is i think everyone's playing already everyone's Ooh. playing a role right, at work, Hmm. but are they playing a role you wanna play? Are they playing a role that's themselves? are they just pretending like, I'm a senior manager, here's my business card, look how important I am, blah, blah, blah. That's what they're playing. They're just playing some other character that they think is what will get them validation. It's what will get them love. And I'm just challenging that and being like, well, if you're gonna play someone, you might as well play yourself. Right, like mm. you might as well actually be more of you, like more of your nerdy you. So I think a lot of times when I see someone that has that doesn't seem like they have played in a really long time,
0: mm.
1: I see a certain level of frustration. I see, I feel like they're in a cage where they've been in this role for so long and they're exhausted. The reason why you're burnt out so much of the time and getting ill feelings when you're going to work is because you feel you have to pretend to be somebody else you have to do that the more you actually will be more productive and more fulfilled
0: when you come across these less than playful people and i know we really have to expand our definition of what it means to play in business and throughout your day and in the boardroom how do you what kind of play are you bringing to the googles and the facebooks and the adobes yeah so it
1: really depends like if we're doing a workshop, I run a workshop by a colleague, Lauren Yee, called, you know, uh, your future is where your fun is. And what we do there is we try to tie actually what they love to do as a kid and identify their play values with what they do now. What is their flow work now? We try to help them identify what's the work where you forget about time? What's the work where if you weren't getting paid to do it, you would still do it? Mm. Oh, how do we? And then I tell team leaders how do we increase that amount of work that they do oh they love to talk to clients let's look at how much of that flow work they do they only do that 15 percent of the time how do we increase that to 20 or 25 percent? because not only if you do that will that bring you more money right but it will also make them more productive not because they start their day with flow work and then They're five times more productive with that work, but then they're much more productive with all the other work that they do. And they're just more fulfilled at work. So like that's one way, right? Other ways in which we play is like when I'm running one on how to deal with toxicity at work Hmm. through play with my colleague, Gary Ware, it's all about how would you address that toxic person? Let's actually practice having a hard conversation with that individual let's run it back over and over again because if you think about work we rarely get to practice in football they they practice all week for a three-hour game at work we never practice never practice mediating a conversation never practice having a hard conversation or how many managers do you know that were good at the last job then got promoted to the next job but they're horrible managers and they've never gotten to practice being a good manager. So we need to be exploring more of like this practice role playing type play in the boardroom so that they can actually do their job better.
0: I'd love to learn about Jeff Harry in this context bring us back to growing up as a child were you someone that explored play completely and this was a natural progression or was it the opposite where you had little to no play and this was just bound to come out as an adult or
1: um so do you remember the movie
0: big with tom of course i love that
1: so i saw that movie in third grade and i was like what you can do that for a living so I went down to F.A.O. Schwartz dancing on a piano, and then no one offered me a job because I thought that's what ha- how it happened with the movie. <laughs> um, so I went home and I started writing toy companies in third grade, and I just didn't stop. I didn't stop until I got into the toy industry 15 years later. And I don't know if you've ever gotten exactly what you've always wanted, but then been so disappointed oh. when you arrived. <laughs> wow. But... But it was just like no toys, no fun, no high fives, no no adults playing, like no kids. Like it just was cubicle walls and just like depression, right? And like we might as well have been selling socks or microwave. Um, And I remember I was like in New Jersey, then I was in New York, um, and then I just like left. I tried to unionize Boys R Us at the time, because they were struggling. Um, and um, I came to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and I bumped into an organization teaching kids engineering with Lego. They were like messing around with Lego. They were, But they were just playing. That's all they were doing. It was seven people paying 150 bucks a week on Craigslist, a joke of a job. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna make this a thing. And we did, and we grew it into the largest Lego-inspired STEM organization like in the U.S., but we did it all by playing. Like we had no idea what we were doing. No business plan. We we picked people we thought were fun. We picked cities we thought were fun. Mm. And we just did stuff. And like I said earlier when we were talking, you know, we would take on like we went to Manalapan Township and built the world's longest Lego chain. Why? Because someone asked us to do it. We would just mess around. But that experimentation, I realized by doing that, I was like, you can actually be successful this way. And if you think of any successful company when they first started off, you know, like Google started in a garage, they were playing. You know, Amazon started in these like weird warehouses with Jeff Bezos in 1999. He was just messing around with stuff, but because he was tackling the most interesting tech issues at the time, everyone wanted to hang out with him, even though he was paying nothing in 1999. So like, again, Play attracts really dope people. And if you're like fully, you know, rooted in yourself, you're able to do something pretty amazing.
0: You said in third grade, you were, uh, you saw big and then you started writing to toy companies. What were you writing to them? So at at first I would just
1: write like, hire me. Like that was it. (laughs) And then then later on, I would write them ideas. And sometimes they were like five pages long of ideas. I wish I had some of those letters, but like, I remember writing Activision and being like, this is how you should do world wrestling. You know, you should have more clotheslines, you know, or like, we're going to have action figures that fly you know I would just like keep ri- and, and I think a lot of people because I was writing on my word processor yeah. thought I was an adult they didn't realize it was like a child. That was, and I was spamming. I was sending multiple letters, same type of letter. So I was spamming before spam was a thing, you know, you know, and my mom would be like, what is he doing? I don't know. He's staying out of trouble. I'll just let him write his letters and we'll drop them off at the post office. Wow. So yeah, I was just doing that because like
0: that just, I felt compelled to do it. Wow, so, and you were supported, if if only by like, hey, he's he's a good kid, he's whatever he's doing, he'll do. We'll, we'll yeah, do. he's not causing
1: trouble, he's not hurting himself, he's just writing these ridiculous letters to people, you know. And then I would get a lot of rejection letters back, like you these would. that were like, "Thank you for you know we people that do this, we appreciate you." And then I'd I'd be like, "All right, let me keep
0: writing." Wow. And then you got to your dream job and it was a little bit of like, wait a minute, this isn't how I acknowledged it in the, yeah. It was just not
1: fun. It was just not fun. And it's just like amazing how we're at work 2,500 hours a year, 50 hours, right? 50 hours, 50 weeks out of the year. 2,500 hours and you're not going to
0: have fun? Oh, come on. Come on. Really? Like that's what we're doing nowadays? Is there a way for people, if they're, if they're in a job or they're the founder, which I know that if they're the founder or an entrepreneur, they are in more control, but even founders sometimes have co-founders or employees where there's just friction. What's the first step in sort of breaking through if you find yourself saying, oh my God, I have no fun in my life here?
1: Yeah, I think there's two approaches. One is identifying the work you love to do most, right? Like Gay Hendricks talks about- Oh, I love that, yeah. Your zone of genius, right? You have your zone of incompetence, things you suck at, zone of competence, things you're average at, zone of excellence. This is where we spend a lot of our time, right? Things we're really good at, but we don't really care to do it either way. And then you have your zone of genius, your ikigai, your reason of purpose. So look at your work, look at your whole week of work and identify what is the work that I love to do most? What is the work that makes me feel alive? What is the work that where I forget about time? What is the work where if no one was paying me, I still would do this and be like, how much of that work am I doing? And can I delegate some other stuff, especially if you're the founder, so I can do my zone of genius work, right? And then I would ask that of your same staff. How can we help them get in more into their zone of genius? The second thing I would do as a founder, or even if I was a manager, is asking your staff, have I created a psychologically safe workspace for you? Like culture is defined by the worst behavior that's tolerated. So what's the worst behavior that's tolerated in your company right now? Like, do you preach about values of like trust and honesty? And then Chad is over here, like being super shady, you know, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatever you preach because you're not following it. So like asking your staff at the next meeting, like, is there anything that you feel not comfortable telling me about we don't have to have it at this meeting in front of everybody but come to me afterwards and let's talk about how i can create a more psychologically safe space because when you have a psychologically safe team they produce at such an exponential level that you can even recognize when it's safe there because the amount of laughing that happens at meetings, you can measure it right there. You know, Mm. How how are you able to joke with people? How are you able to like vibe with people because you want to get your team in flow because that's when they're fully, you know, working at their best level. Right. So I would be asking that. And then third, I would be like, how many difficult conversations are you having as a team? You know, when was the last hard conversation you had? If you're not having difficult conversations and addressing real issues, that's why people hate going to work then. Because Um, what is burnout? Burnout is, um, it's it's small betrayals of trust. It's never something huge. Hmm. It's all these small betrayals. Oh, Chad has got to do whatever he wants to do. Oh, Chad just got a bonus, even though he's a real asshole. You know, like, oh, Chad just doing Like, you know, oh, these are the things that are actually happening. And then each time there's a betrayal of trust, people start thinking like, do I want to be here anymore? And that's when it starts getting bad.
0: What about the frame of mind that, somebody believes, you know, there's there's just no room for play. Play is immature. It's a time waster. Uh, I'm not going to be respected if I play. I have uh, an impression to make and this is what's expected from me. Where do we go there?
1: I always reference the Google 20% program. So Google gave their staff a fifth of their time to pursue what was curious. What was their curiosity? What was their play? As long as it benefited Google, right? percent program. What came from that program? AdSense, which pays the bills. Mm. Google News, Google Meet, Gmail, all were experimenting just like curious ventures. Like the foundation of Google was built off of allowing people to play and innovate and experiment and try stuff out. And I say this all the time, like um, uh, I had a former colleague who worked on the Mars rover and her main goal was to make that Mars rover fail 20,000 times, as many different ways as possible, because when they sent it 150 million miles away to Mars, they wouldn't be able to fix it at that point. They would need to know that they've failed so many times on the ground on Earth that they would know exactly what's happening when it's on Mars, right? So there's something powerful about the, the teams and the companies that are willing to fail the most, that are willing to experiment the most, the willing that are to play the most are the innovative companies that are pushing the envelope and will be successful in the post-pandemic world. If you're trying to do pre-pandemic marketing and pre-pandemic recruiting, I feel like you're going to be done because you need to bring a shared Level of humanity back to the workplace because a lot of Gen Zers are
2: just not going to tolerate
1: BS anymore.
2: Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation only event includes interviews with you on top rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co, and I hope to see you at the next PodMax event.
0: Do you find that people who don't play in life also don't play in the office and vice versa, that it's all one yeah. and the same? It's, it's who I you mean, are yeah. as a person?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Dr. Stuart Brown defines play as like the opposite of play is depression. You know, when you're not playing, you're not resilient, you're not adaptable, you have a fixed mindset when it comes to many things. You know, you can't see all of the options in front of you. When you're actually in flow, like just breaking down like the science just briefly, right? Mm -hmm. When you're actually in flow, the doctor of flow broke this down, Is like your brain actually goes through something called hypnofrontality, where your prefrontal cortex actually shuts down. A part of it shuts down and your inner critic dissipates. So that mean voice in your head actually gets quiet. And then you get a shot of dopamine, you get this um, fat in this inner curiosity, you become highly creative and you see all of the options in front of you. And you felt this way when you've like traveled and just been like, yes, and I'll do this. Yes, I'll have another mimosa. Yes, I'll go on this moped. Yes, I'll go to this deserted island. Yes, I will go on and, you know, to like, you know, go to this party under the moonlight. Like you're just saying yes and and things are just flowing. So when you're in flow, you have so many more options to be successful, but when you are so fixated on a specific result and expectations of the thief of joy, you're actually robbing yourself of all of those options. So then you can't be resilient when something happens with your company. And you saw that with some companies during 2020 where they were scrambling and freaking out and weren't being transparent with their staff while other companies were like. Hey, this is an opportunity to pivot. This is an opportunity to try something new. Let's try this out and look at where those companies are. Those companies.
0: You, you obviously have who you are, what you do, how you offer it down, literally to a science. Confidence is there. Was this always the case for Jeff? Did you have to sort of develop it? Tell us about a time where you were less than your ideal self.
1: I mean, I fail all the time. <laughs> like That's part of the process, right? Like I'm right now all happy-go-lucky. But like, I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you a few different times, right? Well, first, I'll start with this. So my father passed away in 2015. Hmm. And I remember, you know, all of his brothers showed up. There were like, f- like, like so many of them. There was like five of them. And um, they hadn't seen each other since their mom died. And I remember when they all came, I felt like joy and happiness and, you know, but then I also was like, but I'm at my dad's funeral. Should I feel this Mm. you know? And understanding that I could feel joy and sadness at the same time, that I could feel grief and, you know, and loss, but at the same time feel like grateful. That was just fascinating to me. And studying positive psychology, which I've been doing for a while, it's all about embracing all of the emotions at the same time right? And and actually letting yourself feel them, fully feel them. And I even learned that through Tuesdays with Maury. So mm-hmm. I remember once I, I invested in a cafe back in like 2011, I lost all so much money. I lost probably all of my money on that. And it was horrible. It was horrible. But what happened because that, I became so much more bold at my job that I was like, man, I failed miserably investing in this cafe. But now... Like, I'm going to create a whole team building wing and a whole special events wing where I'm going to work with all these major tech companies. Why? Because, like, I can't fail worse than just what just happened, you know? So I just started reaching out to people. I remember watching a Marvel movie and seeing the VP of Creative Services on the scroll and being like, I'm going to reach out to that person, like, tomorrow. And I did. And they got back to me. And I was like, this is not that hard. So, like, each and every failure that I've had, you know, has actually allowed me to realize it's not that scary, Mm. right? And fear is what, false evidence appearing real. And and what I've been doing a lot this year is trying to like take a risk a day.
0: Uh, Like what's my
1: risk a day, right? Sometimes it's a small risk. Maybe it's like, I need to ask a friend for help, right? I'm struggling today. Or maybe the risk is I'm gonna reach out to someone that I've been wanting to reach out to for six months, but I haven't right? But each time I do that, I realize like, oh, it's not that bad, right? And the more that I do that also, I realize like, regardless of the outcome of the risk, when you do something that is like makes you nerve sighted right? Nervous and excited. Oh, yeah. You realize like, oh, I can swim in the deep end of the pool. Like it's Actually, it's really fun at the deep end of the pool. Maybe I can even go further, you know, and Will Smith, like, says it all the time, like, you know, on the opposite of fear is everything you've always wanted. And you've seen it in your own life, right? Like, when you're willing to just, like, let go and just try something out, even though you don't know what's going to happen, something usually magical happens.
0: What you just spelled out, Jeff, is exactly how I've lived the handful of years when I had that moment of, okay, no more. My kids are watching. I don't want to be this person. And how have I gotten from there to here with still, I I could see plenty even further that I'm going to continue to go. Uh, how have I gotten even to this spot? It's exactly what you just laid out a conscious uh, awareness of, okay, that scares the hell out of me, but that means I've got to do it. And then when you do it, you're like, it's the stereotypical cliche thing. You do it and you're like, well, that wasn't so bad, was right. it? And not even that. When you do something like this, the people that see, are watching, are paying attention they're more inspired. They're in awe. They they respect you more. They admire you more. They appreciate you more. My goodness, all the things that I desperately wanted in my life, but didn't know how to go, please just like me. It's like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. You're a little off-putting. But when you're just like, hey, no, I'm strong. I'm powerful. I'm going to do it. Look what I'm capable of. Oh, my goodness. I surprised myself because I was scared out of my mind to do it, but I still did it. And they're like, wow, maybe I can do that kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, because like courage is like, it's being scared and doing it anyway, Mm -hmm. right? And and you, in my opinion, have given your kids the best gift, right? By doing stuff that scares you. I think a lot of parents are constantly trying to be perfect, Uh. being like, oh, is this the way, you know, I gotta be the perfect parent. It's like, no, do things that scare you. You know, one of my friends, Marina, just picked up like roller skating in her forties and was like, like going down like you wow. know the dips in the pool, and that's inspiring for her kids, even though she's just for the first time. Because it's like, if she can do that, then I can do that. That's so powerful for kids these days. So I think mm-hmm. yeah, what you're doing is just I think is is awesome.
0: Well, thank you. How do you? Uh, I know we've touched upon this a few times. The, the um, really just the shortness of life and the acknowledgement that hey, we're all in the same boat here, right? It's gonna it's gonna come to an end at at some time, uh, whether we're ready for it or not. Hopefully, it, it can be uh, in, in in the most future as possible. But like I've said, even then, it's gonna happen in the blink of an eye. How do we? you because i know how i do but i'd love to hear your take on it how do we use that realization to power and fuel us to to be our best
1: yeah so that's a great question right i i actually have a conversation with my friend lauren and my friend julia and we have these death chats oh about death yeah wow. tell me and we record them. why Because there's, yeah, because there's, there's an, because each of us have experienced death in one way or another, you know? Um, And when you actually understand how to die, you Mm. really actually start to begin to understand how to live. Talk to me. right? Right. And, and one, a really interesting exercise that anyone can do at any time is write your obituary. Like just write it now and just just to see what comes out and then look at it and be like, am I doing any of the things that I actually want to do? And we mm-hmm. do this as a play exercise um, you know, during our death chats, but we do this and we can try it if you want. This is super fun and, and interesting because it's like fun and death, what are you talking about? But you finish this sentence, right? And I'll, I'll do it first, but you go, here lies blank, best remembered for blank, blank, blank. So here lies Jeff, Harry, best remembered for embracing, being his nerdy self, and loving Cobra Kai. (laughs) So that's mine. That's like my sentence. So what
0: comes up for you? Here lies Josh, best known for the, uh, the most incredible daddy laughing incessantly and showing us how it's done oh let's
1: go dude so then right there that's the sentence and then anytime you are like am i living my best life you just go back to that sentence so then you're not judging yourself on like oh am i making enough money am i making like millions of dollars well i'm still an amazing dad right i'm still laughing every single day I'm still like showing people how it's done by simply doing me. And then that is like, that's our purpose. We, you wow. know, I tell this to people all the freaking time. You have all the answers that you need. You simply need to play enough in order to figure them out. And if any advice that I'm giving you is resonating with you, the only reason it resonates with you is you already are telling yourself that same advice. I'm just reminding you of something you already know. That's it. That's all I'm doing. That's why I refer to it as rediscover your play because I'm like, even the most stiff person, I'm just helping them rediscover something they already know they had.
0: Before we part ways, Jeff, I want to get your take on the entrepreneurial business side of things. Mm -hmm. So you're stepping out of your, your performance role in how you work with clients. And now we're coming into your business, which in and of itself, clearly successful, clearly phenomenal, powerful, um, uh, impactful. How, what do you attribute that to? Some of your accolades, your TV appearances? How does the person listening inch towards those goals?
1: Yeah. I got published in the New York Times because I decided to break away from my fear and go up to someone and just talk to them at a conference. That was it. It wasn't that complicated. Like it was at the end of the conference. I walked up to this really awesome person and I was just like, We never got to talk, but I would love to hear what you do. And she's like, Oh, I'm a freelance writer. And then I just started like sending her whenever ah. was writing articles, I would just send her stuff that I was like, Oh, here, here's some stuff that I know someone is writing about. So I would like sometimes like help her out, you know. And and then when a, a article about play showed up, she reached out to me. Right. Wow. So I see at times it's just putting ourselves out there instead of being like I want to again don't get fixated on results I want to get published in mashable I didn't want to get published that wasn't the plan at all I just was last year I was just following my curiosity during the pandemic I went from like being on two podcasts to being like you know what I want to be on a bunch and then I was on 150 in the span of like 12 months. Wow. Why did I do it? Just because it was fun. I just was following my curiosity. And I was like, this is going to be a new marketing thing that I'm just going to do. I don't know if it's going to bring me money or ROI, whatever. That's what I want to do. And the same thing with TikTok videos, right? In March, I had not made one video. And I had, I had told myself, like, I don't have time. I sound weird. I sound stupid. I look stupid when I'm on a video. Oh, gosh, look how stupid you look, Jeff. Like, I would listen to my inner critic. And then quarantine mm. rolled around. It was like, guess what? You have all the time. You have all of the time in the world. So then I started making videos, and I made, like, 130 videos. Made them for me, not for anyone. Else. And that's funny because now people reach out to me and they're like, "I love your videos. Would you, you know, what do you? Can you do this one?" And I'm like, "This is not for you. This is for me. Like I'm doing this for me. You can enjoy them, but this is like this is my therapy and me simply making videos that I wanted to make, writing articles that I want to write, just putting stuff out that that was following my following my curiosity. That led to success. So and and it doesn't even. And when I would get to success, it was like, it wasn't even about me, right? Like they, I just so happened to be lucky enough to be published in some article, but it was just because they needed to deliver on that subject line. And I just happened to be producing so much content that people found me, right? So I think the more we just trust our intuition and be like, ooh, maybe I should email that person. Ooh, maybe I should hop on that podcast. Ooh, maybe I should make that been wanting to make for a really long time. You'd be amazed what happens when you do that. My friend, Erin uh, Morris, who is like really successful on TikTok, just made like a video the other day where she was so scared to make it. She's made so many videos, but she was so scared to make this video because she's like, I can't sing. I'm not very good at singing, but I'm going to put it out there anyway. Mm. Most popular videos. Why? Because she was following her instincts, following that, her vulnerability, and just being like, just trusting her her intuition. And I tell people this all the time. In order to play, you have to allow yourself to get bored. And what I mean by that is stop binge watching Netflix, stop looking at social media. And I'm talking about not forever. I'm talking about like 30 minutes to an hour a day and just get super bored. Like you were as a kid bored, right? Like walk around, do something else, whatever it is. But when you get really bored, that's when those crazy ideas come up. And those exciting ideas, and one of them is going to be like, yo, start a podcast, yo, start that side business, and you're going to be like, should I do it? And just try it, and if you don't like it, stop, but try and see where it takes you, because it's going to take you
0: to a magical place. Wow, that is... That last soundbite in and of itself, I think, is everything. I really appreciate that. Just get yourself bored. It makes so much sense. You're just like stripping everything away, right? Because when we find ourselves binge watching or binge anything, really, uh-huh. it's it, it's more or less a drug, isn't it? We're using it to cover something up. And you're yeah. just saying, stop covering it up. See what's there. And, and I'm not saying, like, I binge watch Netflix
1: all the time. So, But if it brings you joy allow it to bring you joy. But when it stops bringing you joy and it starts feeling like you're eating way too many Cheetos, that's when you just stop and then do something that actually does. And I will say this last thing um, because I love to goodwill hunt people. Um, So you remember goodwill hunting, right? Of course. So remember the construction scene at the end of the movie? Mm -hmm. So this is the most powerful part of that entire movie. For anyone that hasn't seen it, Matt Damon's a genius in the movie. Ben Affleck is his best friend who's not a genius. They're sitting at a construction site at the end of the movie. And Matt can take any job he wants. He can have any million job, millionaire job he wants. And Ben turns to him and he goes, yo, when are you going to take one of these high-paying jobs? And Matt's like, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm going to work construction. You know, we're going to raise our kids. Each other, we're going to take them to Foley Fields, And like, that's just what we're going to do. And Matt turns to him and he's like, If I see you here in 20 years, I'm gonna kill you. Like, I'm literally gonna kill you. And Matt's like, oh, whoa, whoa, what? I owe it to myself. And he's like, forget you, dude. You owe it to me because I'm gonna be here in 20 years and I'm okay with that. But you, you are sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash that in. Hmm. And I truly believe this that like every listener, everyone watching this is like, you're sitting on a freaking lottery ticket and you're, and you need to cash it in, but not for you. This is not about you, dude. This is about the fact that you need to cash it in and show up fully because there's someone waiting for you to do your thing so they can do their thing. Like if Josh doesn't create this podcast and take a risk, I can't show up. So he shows up. So now I show up. So now I'm telling you, yo, someone and multiple people, if not millions of people are waiting for you to do your thing so they can do your thing. So are you ready to show up?
0: So it all begins with uh, getting honest with yourself, uh, stepping back, figuring out what needs to be done for you to take the step. That's what we're saying, yes?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And once you do that, like there's, I don't know, I, know, I know, I've been quoting so many movies, but I love these movies. You know, um, uh, we bought a zoo. All you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, right? 20 seconds of sheer bravery and everything can change. And when you think of it like that, where you're like 20 seconds a day, where I'm just gonna do something that scares the living daylights out of me and just see how that, where that goes. Oh man, you're gonna do all these amazing things this year with the rest of 2021 that you never thought possible, simply because you were willing to show up for 20 seconds.
0: This is absolutely perfect. Jeff, as if we haven't had so many many moments of uh, light bulbs in this one episode, package it up for us. What's the one thing that the listener needs to hear before continuing on their day right now?
1: Sure. I I would say... Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows. Nobody freaking knows. And if 2020 taught us everything, all those thought leaders that you like, the Simon Sinek's, Gary Vaynerchuk's, Brene Brown's, they all didn't know what they were doing either. So we're all making it up as we go along. So you are the expert. You are your own Brene Brown, your own Simon Sinek, your own Gary Vaynerchuk. You know all the answers that you need. So just play enough and recognize that. We're all just trying to figure this out together. And the more you're willing to play, the more you're able to find joy, fulfillment, and really inspire all these people that are waiting for you to show up.
0: It's Jeff Harry. How can somebody continue the conversation with you? Where should they get in touch?
1: Simply, yeah, go to rediscoveryourplay.com, click on the Let's Play button. I have a bunch of play experiments you can do there, and then hop on a call with me and we can figure out how you can rediscover your play and start kicking more ass in this
0: world. If this doesn't get you jazzed, fired, and ready to go. I don't know what will. This has been extraordinary. Jeff, thank you so much. I'm so glad. I'm so glad we connected. I know it's not going to be the the last time. Certainly, thank you for coming on and opening up as you always do. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. I appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody tuning in. Thank you for spending your time. Uh, let's continue to do a great, a great job in everything we do. We're going to do this again before too long. Thanks again for tuning in. Go get them.